0: Rocky Mountain Mixdown Down with talking music in your hometown, other places to welcome, welcome, all are welcome here. Rocky Mountain Mixed Down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Mixdown Down.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: we have. Myself, John Remington, the uh, illustrious Liz Vasco. Hello. And the incredibly talented Anna Frick. Hello. Ally Sound.
1: Who we're so excited to have Mm -hmm. on the podcast. Thanks
0: for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah.
1: Do you want to introduce yourself and tell everyone just like a little about who
2: you are and what you do and what you love?
0: Like Icebreaker.
2: Yeah. Uh, My name is Anna Frick, as John said. Uh, (laughs) uh, I am uh, the owner of Ally Sound uh, in Longmont, Colorado. It's... um it's a studio dedicated to mastering, restoration, and education. Um, I uh, just started the company back in March of this year, 2022, um, after spending 12 years at Airshow Mastering. Um, started there as the assistant engineer and quickly uh, made my way up to full-time mastering engineer. engineer. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Nice. <laughs> Welcome. To Dog House and
1: to the podcast. So I was reading through all of your website stuff and everything, but I just wanted to call out. I love your kind of like reads like a little personal mission sort of, but that you really believe in elevating and preserving recorded music and supporting and inspiring the community that surrounds it. And I think that's awesome. Thanks. Like that community piece.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's really important on, on so many different levels. I I think I wouldn't be where I am if it weren't for my mentors, you know, who, um, really just taught me everything I know, uh, but also we're, we're friends, you know, and, uh, in the tough times, you know, when I, uh, both on uh, a technical level being able to instruct me, uh, but also on just kind of a, a personal level, you know, in terms of like career tra- trajectory and advocating for myself and that kind of thing. So I, it, in in a lot of ways, I'm I'm now at that point where I'm able to give back, and so I'm just trying to find all these points of service where I can give back to the community and and uh, and be of service. Um, so I have a lot of lot of ways that I do that. Uh, I serve on the board of trustees for the Recording Academy, which is the organization around the Grammys uh, and Music Cares, uh, and I. As a as a uh, trustee, I also serve on the San Francisco chapter board. The San Francisco chapter is the chapter that represents Colorado. Uh, oh, I was going to ask.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you what, got on San that Francisco? one. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, So uh, we just had some events earlier this week, which were really wonderful. The San Francisco staff came out, uh, and we had a we had a good time. Did a listening party at the studio, and and then we had a music advocates mixer in Denver that was. Just We brought together like 20 different organizations in Colorado dedicated to uh, growing the music community and um, also talked about ad- advocacy in, in how we work with legislators to make sure that people can build robust careers in, in the industry. Very That's cool. really neat. Yeah. That's like a world we haven't really
1: gotten into at Doghouse.
0: Right, yeah. As
1: I was reading your thing, I was like, man— yeah. That's like definitely a goal for the future. Yeah, is we like
0: make it to mixers and I know some of the like audio engineer meetups. I know I haven't really been oh, a part yeah. of that. So, you can
1: bring Kate, yeah. our assistant engineer, yeah. who's recording this podcast. Shut up, Shout up. <laughs> <Shout out. laughs> um, yeah, but it's neat to like think about just all those higher level like who is making these decisions and advocating for everybody, yeah, who like. Yeah you know, when people are creating, they don't always have also the time to be advocating for
2: themselves and like their peers. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I, th- I think, you know, those of us who do have the the time and the energy to do that, you know, we're able to elevate those concerns of everyone, you know, that is struggling along with us. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, a huge pleasure and a joy and an absolute honor to, uh, to serve, um, the Recording Academy in that way. And, uh, you know, it's it's amazing. It's everything from you know crafting the Grammy process to making sure you know we are creating a membership body that is uh, representative of the music community that we see, um, and then you know helping those uh, those of us when we're in those times in need through Music Cares, uh, and then you know like I said, advocating on on Capitol Hill for fairer treatment of uh, of all of us. Mm-hmm. So, Yes. Cool. Yeah, really. Thank cool. you for doing all that. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. really great. <laughs> yeah, and yeah.
1: exciting, and just to spread the word about what those organizations do and wh- who was who gets to be part of them. I think sometimes people don't think about like, oh, I could be part of something like that. Yeah, which yeah. is cool.
2: Yeah, and then yeah, the audio engineer meetups. Uh, I'm involved with the Audio Engineering Society, vice chair of the the Colorado section here, and yeah, those meetups. I, I mean. It, We all got into this because we love music, right? So it's just like we get together and we geek out and we listen to each other's <laughs> projects and say, Oh, how'd you do that? Or, you know, I really love that tone you got out of that. And, uh, you know, and usually have a beer in the process. Yeah. I like beer. So, you yeah. know, it all, <laughs> all kind of works out. It's good hangs, good music and good people and good beer. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Do you usually host them at like different studios or? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. So there's this great Facebook group, um, the Denver audio engineers, Facebook group and, uh, pre COVID we were doing it. I don't know, every two or three months meeting at a different studio and just kind of geeking out you know Mm -hmm. so good stuff that's so fun fun.
0: um you mentioned education in the uh introduction there what uh what are you doing in that kind of realm at the ally sound
2: yeah so uh i'm actually teaching my first Full semester class at CU Denver this semester, uh, teaching an audio restoration class, which has been challenging and fun, and it's forcing me to, you know, go deeper on things that I have inherently known for a long time that I actively work on, you know, restoring old media, transferring preservation, and then uh, cleaning it up for you know, educational use or, or reissue or that kind of thing but just kind of trying to keep that history alive um, in various different ways. So it's, it's forcing me to, you know, just kind of drill down on like, wait, why do I do what I do? And how can I <laughs> teach that to, to students? Because when I, when I was in college, we tracked to tape. I'm totally dating myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we tracked to tape. We tracked to, to two-inch 24 track. And then we turned in our projects to our professors on quarter-inch uh-huh. tape. You know, like splicing, you know, with the razor blade. It was was amazing. Wow. And now, you know, everything is pretty much in the box. And, you know, so many kids, that's how they're learning audio. But I think it's really important to understand, you know, the foundation of where all these practices came from. And, you know... um, and so much of what we do in the box is built on things that we use that were tangible boxes, you know, out, outside the box, or <laughs> outboard gear and that kind of thing. So understanding all that foundation is really important, but also there's like this cultural uh, element of, of just preserving culture and making sure that um, all of this history that we have doesn't die, doesn't deteriorate. So I'm doing that, and then I also do guest lecturing, and I um, do a lot of panels and uh, that kind of thing, and, you know, AES conferences and for sound girls and, uh, and various other avenues. And then there's a conference in North Carolina at Elon University called the Leading Women in Audio Conference that I've been teaching at for four years now, which is just, it's so wonderful. It makes my heart so happy.
0: Mm. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's cool.
2: That is really cool. I wanted to ask
1: you, actually, about... Sound Girls. And you started the Colorado chapter with another gal, Angie Dickinson? Yeah, Angie Dickinson-Mickle, yeah.
2: Nice. Yeah. What is that? Uh, so Sound Girls is uh, it's an international organization, and its mission is to empower the next generation of women in audio. And it was started by Carrie Kies, who is the Maunders engineer for Pearl Jam. And she has been for 35 years now. Uh, and clearly, you know, when she started, there weren't many women at all in the industry, and so she wanted to create a safer space and and make sure that you know women weren't intimidated as they come into the the studio space and the the live sound space that they had a, a safe network and the resources. So Soundgirls does. All sorts of things. There's mentoring, there's uh, panels, they've got a really robust Facebook group, the private Facebook group, which is, if you just search uh, soundgirls.org, private Facebook group, they'll, you'll find it and you can request to be a member. And the discussion in there is, it's so it's so amazing. It's everything from like, you know, I don't know how to you know, find a cable to get this to here or, you know, really technical stuff to like, I need to find a mastering engineer. Does anyone have recommendations to what kind of footwear do I wear on stage? Because Mm -hmm. all the boots I'm finding are men's sizes or, you know, I had this issue with a male coworker. How should I deal with this? So it's, it really runs the gamut and it's, uh, it's a really respectful space and, uh, it's, It's really awesome. So it's a really fantastic organization.
1: Nice. And there are are in-person meetups as well.
2: We're coming out of COVID, so (laughs) it's all been (laughs) delayed. It's all been virtual, (laughs) which actually, you know, offered us a lot of opportunities to kind of spread the knowledge and do these online uh, panels and workshops. You know, I did one on audio restoration. I did one on mastering. We did a two-day conference last December and moderated a panel on professionalism in audio. So COVID had its silver linings in that way. Uh, but yeah, we do we just did a meetup a few weeks ago or last month here in Colorado that was focusing on stage management. So we had Chloe Carroll from z 2 you know, um Boulder Theater and Fox Theater, she came and talked about, you know, what it takes to be a stage manager at a live music venue. And then we had a theater stage manager talk about what it's like to be a stage manager for a theatrical production. So, you know, we we've also done uh, soldering workshops, which
0: I mean, <laughs> yeah. I love the
2: smell of solder. I'm just going to say it. With uh, you on that one. Yeah. yeah, so I know it's I know it's very toxic. Yeah. I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's why I love it. <laughs>
2: I <laughs> <No. laughs> Uh, but yeah, we did a soldering workshop, which was really fun, and teaching uh, women to build cables. You know, just we just started really simple with XLR cables, and that was really fun. So that is cool.
1: When we put in our recording studio last year, we did a lot of soldering just to connect all yeah. the rooms and the audio. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember one of our employees, his partner came in and basically just like blew it away everyone else. She was like, "Oh, you need soldering? Okay," and yeah. just for hours sat there and soldered and I was
2: like, all right, Allison, thank you. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Those people who can do, you know, like a DB25, like I don't want to do a DB25, but (laughs) you know, someone who does that is someone you keep in your back pocket, you know, you, you treat them very kindly. Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I kind of have shaky hands, so I like to (laughs) Mm. teach it. And then I'm like, well, Now you can do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Yeah, Yeah. it is nice though. That's for sure. Oh,
1: it's nice to like have those skill sets so you can just like keep something going. You don't have like that full stop.
2: I have to call someone and spend all this money. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just I mean, problem solving is. Basically, what our profession is, you know, it's <laughs> it's like I remember, you know, when I was in college, we did a a workshop with a uh, Eddie Kramer. Oh. If you can believe that, who's like he is a god amongst engineers. Like he did like all of the Rolling Stones albums. He's just iconic. He did he built Electric Lady Studio uh, oh, in New York, and yeah. so he worked on all of Jimi Hendrix stuff. Just an icon. And he did a workshop, and uh, we were tracking through a big, large format console, this Neve console, and we were using every single channel on the board. And in the middle of tracking, channel three just died. And we spent six hours like, trying to troubleshoot that. I finally, you know, at, like, one in the morning, I was like, screw it, I'm going home. <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm
0: out. <laughs> <laughs> you
2: know, and he's getting frustrated, and everyone's getting frustrated, and finally it was just, it was a solder point, you know? Wow. Like, it was a, yeah, just a, a weak solder point. Wow. Uh, but, yeah, problem solving is, I I kind of feel like when we were thrown on the analog, you know, board and whatnot, it was to teach us problem solving skills. Mm-hmm. Like, something is going to go wrong, and mm-hmm. you better figure it out. You better know how to diagnose the problem and trace that signal flow and and uh, get to the bottom of it, so you can get back to work right so otherwise you're wasting the artist's time, mm-hmm. you know and money, yes, you know? that is always like a, a the scary
1: Absolutely. point is if you're like,, well, I don't want anything in our studio to fail an artist, like they have enough they're worrying about,
2: <laughs> yeah, <Right. laughs>
1: it's always the goal, but it's interesting, like what has come up for us and kind of like. This modern time of like so much of it is like our like internet troubleshooting and like cabling <laughs> yeah. through the, you know? Yeah. And is this like, is this cable able to carry
2: like this pathway and this pathway? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like being able to like fix a car. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's it's so hard to fix a car because it's there's it's mostly computers, right? Yeah. You know, like we don't know how to fix the computers in our car. We have to hire someone to do that. But old cars, you know, you you just fixed it. Right, you know, right. it's a whole different generation, and and I feel like there's something you know hugely lost yeah. these days that we aren't uh, prioritizing problem solving skills as much.
0: Even windshields are smart now. You can't just. Oh yeah, like, yeah. What? Oh, no. What? What's inside my windshield?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, they're like sensors. I, I yeah. got a yeah. crack. Of sensors. The,
0: the, what? Yeah. I got a
2: crack, but I also want my wipers to work. <laughs> <I know. 'cause laughs> they have a mind of their own. Right? <laughs> <I know. laughs>
0: yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting point. Yeah, you still have a lot of outboard gear at Ally Sound, um, and you use that pretty frequently.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it it totally depends on the project and what, you know, it's amazing to have so many tools at my disposal. I also love working on outboard gear because it kind of forces decisions. Like I know the flavors of certain things, you know, a lot of plugins and whatnot, they can go in a million different directions. You know, you have one EQ, but it has like a zillion different parameters and, and you know, filtering and like shapes. And you could spend all day just trying to decide what you know, Q shape you want on your EQ. Mm -hmm. Whereas it's like without board gear, it's like, no, I've got three different types of EQs and I have to decide on one. Mm -hmm. I had a professor once who said limitation breeds creativity. Mm -hmm. And, And I absolutely believe that if you know your tools really, really well, it makes decision making that much easier. And there's a thing like called option paralysis. When you have too many options, you just get paralyzed by all the things you could do and did you make the right decision and you know maybe if i do it this other way and i think it it becomes a problem so i i like outboard gear for that reason it's like i know it really well uh they have specific functions and specific flavors and i go to it for that reason cool you know but i also have a lot of plugins you know which is <laughs> yeah you know at airshow i wasn't really using plugins um and so uh, that's a whole new world to me that I'm exploring now. And, cool. you know, try not to get overwhelmed by it, but it's yeah, hard. It's, <laughs> right. What's worth buying? And,
1: like, how yeah. do you, what kind of do you want your arsenal? Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. Literally automate everything. I if you know. Want to. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like Netflix, right? You, you know? Too it's many like, options. R- yeah. <laughs> you're like, okay, I'm going to start watching this. And you're like, wait. No, 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 wait, I gotta look more. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah,
2: right. They've got that option that's like, just show me something. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, yeah. It's never
2: worked for me. <laughs> <but> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's there,
0: but.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: that's neat. Do you ever find that understanding, like, say you're looking at a plugin and understanding sort of being able to kind of link back the history of, like, oh, they are even offering this to me because they used to use this piece of gear in studios that, like, made that sound and i can kind of see how it evolved into this plugin
2: yeah yeah and then you know it's always fun to like ab that against the real thing you know mm-hmm. like a poltec emulation versus like an actual poltec eq it's like you can really geek out on that and i i will totally geek out on that you know i i love that but knowing you know like i there are tricks that i learned working on uh, real pull text that I emulate in the box now because I know those cues so well I know those shapes so yeah
0: that's cool yeah
1: <laughs> that is like are there ever clients you've had in who like kind of want to geek out with you on that or are they are you're kind of like teaching them like oh th- these oh, are kind of yeah. some options
2: yeah I love that kind of thing like I you know it's like well, yeah, we could go this direction or we could go this direction or like, you know, what does that thing do over there? Well, let me show you. Like it's, it's, it's so fun. You know? Um, I love it when, when clients come in and they, they are curious about everything. So it's fun.
0: Or how often is a client in the room with you when you're mastering?
2: Uh, it's coming back after COVID. Uh Um, but it's still not where it was, you know, um, for local projects, uh, you know, probably half of my local clients will will come in for the session. Maybe a little less than that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, a lot of times it just comes down to scheduling and that kind of thing. It just doesn't work out. Schedule and deadlines. It's you know we're always under that crunch. And you know sometimes it it's more helpful to have a client in so that we can really put our heads together. And sometimes uh, it's it's a little distracting, you know, cuz I feel like I have to like play host and, you know, make sure that they're, they're comfortable or they don't necessarily understand everything or, you know, want to understand everything, but um they're there anyway. So it's I, I don't know, it's 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 both a blessing and a curse sometimes trying to collaborate on something uh in person. And then it's also a blessing and a curse when they're not there. You know, we can't collaborate, like, head-to-head. Head. And then it's, you know, we're going back and forth, like, over and over and over again trying to get on the same page about something. So yeah. it really comes down to it. Like, it depends on the client, Yeah, you know, always. Cool. always. Yeah. Would you agree, John?
1: Yeah. Like, just, like, client in the room versus not.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um. With mixing sessions. Yeah. It's very interesting because then everybody's like, they know that they can have control over their r- really specific instrument, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like everybody has their own agenda sometimes. You know? Yes. Um, but yeah, it's, and then I'm like, well, I'm trying to do the whole song, you know? Right. Um, and they're
1: like, about my snare drum. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and the guitar player is like, well, but wait, we, we were doing guitar. I know. You know? <laughs> I know. But, you know, it's all good. It is fun to have that trading energy and, you know, more than one brain yeah i agree
1: one question we actually get asked a lot by our clients and we work a lot i would say with people who it's like their first time recording in a studio um and they've never been through the process before or you know they've never released anything and they ask all the time basically like what is mastering why am i paying for it mm-hmm. we get that a lot yeah um, And we try to answer it well, but I kind of want to hear you answer it, just like some kind of basics to help people
2: wrap their mind around, like, the art of mastering. And
0: why it's so necessary.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, mastering is that last step before everything goes out the door. So, you know, on one hand, it's quality check, you know, making sure that, like, I am the last ears on a project before it gets manufactured into a thousand different vinyl records or goes out to the world through streaming services. I'm the last ears on it. And I have the ability to, you know, fix all those little tiny imperfections at at that very last stage. But Mastering is really, it's really a matter of perspective. You know, when you're in the recording and mix process or you're the artist uh, or the producer, you can get really, really granular about things. You're looking at every little detail and it's hard to kind of zoom out and have that 3,000 foot perspective. And so that's what the mastering engineer provides is just that perspective of like, yes, this is accomplishing the vision that you are seeking or no, it's not. And this is what I think, you know, is it's missing or like, we can do this in the mastering studio or, you know, maybe we need to go back to the mix. Uh, and then, you know, on top of that, you know, my room is very transparent. So any flaws that are in the mix room, like low end, I can get stuff that is just like completely deficient in base because people were compensating because of the deficiencies of their room. You know, they were, their room had too much base in it. And so they were taking so much out of it. Well, my room is transparent uh, so that I know how it's going to translate. I can hear those mixed balances um, in a room that is specifically designed to hear everything on a flat uh, frequency response. So I'm able to make those adjustments as needed um, or, you know, just tell you, like, we need to make these adjustments elsewhere. But it's really a matter of perspective and, and being able to have a fresh set of ears on it and say, yes, this is ready for the marketplace or no, it isn't. And here's what we need to do to get it there. And mastering engineers also, you know, we have spent thousands and thousands of hours tuning our ears and training our ears and understanding, you know, I work on a, a zillion different genres and understanding how each one plays in the marketplace is imperative to what I do. You know, like I'm not going to treat a bluegrass record the way I'm going to treat a pop record and understanding why I wouldn't treat those the same is important. And so having that that market perspective is also really important. Does that kind of help?
0: Yes, definitely. Excellent, excellent. It's
1: definitely something I I always like to get across. I think it's an area where sometimes people even come in asking us like, oh, is this a place where I can save money and – like Mm-mm. you could but it's probably going to show so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah
2: yeah and, you know and and here's the thing is like you know when you look at mastering rates and yeah like by the hour or whatever it's it's much more expensive than mixing but at the same time I can complete an album in a day whereas mixing it's going to take a lot longer so in the mix process you're paying less per hour but you're spending you're spending more hours doing it and mastering it's you know concentrated in a little different way so yeah Oh, I wanted to bring up, actually,
1: both of you, you kind of have similar origin stories in terms of, like, you both had kind of high school, like, you kind of got into this world a little bit in high school with a mentor and someone who's like, oh, did you know you can actually do, like, this is a job you can have in the music industry. Um, So I (laughs) wanted to ask you, Anna, kind of how first you got interested in music and then specifically in this,
2: like, part of the industry. Yeah. Well, I mean, how do you not be into music? I know. Have you ever? It always is. It's like so silly to me when people are like, "I really dig music." I'm like, "Well, yeah, I like breathing too." Right. You know, like. like but <laughs> what? What do you like? Yeah. Uh, um, when I was in high school, a friend of mine, uh, Jenny Vale, she's a songwriter, and uh, I wanted to take her songs with me to college. You know, and so I very selfishly uh, just wanted a good recording of those songs. And uh, some friends of mine were in a in a ska band. Again, I'm dating myself. (laughs) (laughs) They were in a ska band and they had uh, they had released an album. And, you know, I had never thought about how an album gets made, you know. And so if you had asked me, I would have been like, oh, you like get, you know, discovered and signed to a record label and they fly you out to L.A. or Nashville (laughs) or, you know, whatever. And then you're you know playing stadiums. I don't know but they had recorded an album and I was like how did you do that and they're like our guitar instructor has a has a studio and I was like oh that's really interesting like here in Fort Collins Colorado that's so weird I didn't know that existed (laughs) and so um then I wanted this you know good recording of Jenny's songs and so uh I said Jenny can I can I get a good recording of your songs. Like if I put you in a recording studio, you know, would you actually record? And she was like, you put me in a studio, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. (laughs) And I'm like, all right, game on, let's do this. And called the studios. Turns out their guitar teacher had the best rates in town. I could afford it because I didn't have any bills at the time and I had a (laughs) job because, you know, high school. And I learned the process and I fell in love with it. And towards the end of the project, um, you know, I was talking to our engineer And, uh, you know, I said, you know, I really love this. And he goes, you really have a knack for it. And I said, I really, I'm really sad that the project is ending. And he said, well, you know, you could make a career out of this. And like, that was like that light bulb moment. And then it was just a matter of like, how do I, how do I do that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, there was no, there's no blueprint. There's no, like, that's not in a career counselor's, you know, list of, possible yeah careers. they're not trying to direct you, know? you in that yeah it's right. not like you go here and then you get this x degree and then you apply for jobs and you get a job like that's not what this industry is and so trying to navigate that path was really hard my parents convinced me to study business for like a year and a half in college which was awful. <laughs> <laughs> i mean valuable skills yes but dry and boring as all get up and finally learned that there are college programs that, you know, teach audio production and there's one in Denver at CU Denver and so I went there and just was in hog heaven so mm-hmm. yeah that's really cool
0: and w- when was it that you kind of decided to take the mastering only router
2: oh yeah that was totally by accident uh-huh. okay <laughs> i was editing audiobooks um at sounds true uh mm-hmm. in, in oh, Louisville yeah, yeah. And then, I, you know, my job was kind of getting pushed a little bit more to the administrative side, so I wasn't able to do as much, like, audio editing, and, you know, I really wanted to get back into, you know, just doing audio. You know, I knew Dave and Ann at Airshow just through uh, through Planet Bluegrass, because uh, my husband worked there at the time, and, and so they reached out and they said, hey, we're looking for an assistant engineer, we know it's, you know, below where you're at in your career right now, but if you know of anyone, and I was like, that is not below me, I will totally <laughs> throw my hat that ring. Yeah. Uh, and they took a chance on me. I got to say, when I first started working there, I don't think I really understood mastering, but my job as the assistant engineer was to quality check everything. So I was sitting in a room with headphones on, like, you know, that last ears on on every project. And I, I definitely developed opinions and, you know, it honed my ears and, uh, and realized I was in a world-class facility and I could learn a lot from the process. And I took to it you know, and uh, learned everything I could and fell in love with, with mastering.
1: Cool. That's so cool. Very cool.
2: That's neat. That's
1: kind of how you ended up here. Mm. Like you came to us and asked if you could be a an, an intern. intern.
0: Yes. <laughs> and like yes,
1: day yes. two, I was like, I don't think you're an intern.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> you know a lot, <laughs> a lot more than we know.
0: <laughs> right. It's just about getting that foot in the door, yeah. I think, is really, really important. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Interesting to not exactly have a mentor like you did, but uh, I learned a lot through that as well. I was like, okay, I have this set of skills. Uh, now I have to apply them.
2: Because <laughs> you went to Berkeley, right? And, yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Learned, that that was a lot of learning. Um, and uh, they make you do all the music stuff first before you can even start your, you know, the thing you're interested in. So. Oh, because uh, they're
2: like
1: performance.
0: Yeah, um, and then they have all the. They need you to get the liberal arts credits as well. So there was kind of this constant battle between, like, homework and then passion. Oh, yeah. Um, So sometimes I feel like I didn't quite get uh, as much of the engineering stuff as I would have liked. But, you know, it it was a very well-rounded experience. So, But then, yeah, coming here, it was all digital. And, like, we had learned on big boards and million-dollar studios and everything. So it was fun to kind of think about how we could achieve something similar that would be just as good and – yeah, took a while with the all-digital stuff, though. It's like, anything can be anywhere you want it. You <laughs> yeah, can make great. this anything. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's not in a line anymore.
1: <laughs> Did they have a lot of fun gear, though? Like, oh, some yeah. of that, like, old-school? Yeah,
0: there was, like, these drummer two bq's that i just loved and i'm like oh i'm going to get one of those it's like ooh, 2500, <laughs> okay. huh hmm. yeah, but you know like you said in the boxes they're getting pretty good but i would love to do some of those shootouts between yeah. real and Let's unreal Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Deal.
2: Um there's one other Did thing Did you grow up here? Yeah, I'm born and raised in Fort Collins. Hail. And then uh yeah, I finished college at CU Denver and Moved up to Boulder shortly thereafter. So. Oh, nice. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a That's place cool. to be. Right? Yeah. yeah, and I
0: like the scene here, too. It, yeah. like, I like it a lot more than the one out in Boston. And
2: you Yeah. Know,
0: I haven't really checked out any others than those two, but right. comparatively, it's like, oh, everyone here's friendly. <laughs> everyone likes to support everyone. No gatekeepers, really. Yeah. yeah. And, you know?
2: That's so weird. Yeah. yeah. The whole gatekeeping thing. Yeah. It's not, I don't have enough time in my life to like be, you
1: know, keep someone else out. You're like, yeah. I'm just busy trying to yeah. do what I'm doing. Exactly.
2: I'm too busy, which is why I need more people to help. Like, I'm not yeah. going to shut the gate on someone who's going to help. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, has it,
1: have you noticed like specific changes just since you were in high school of like just the music
2: scene in the front range changing? Yeah. That's a, that's a good question. You know, I think it's, uh, It comes down to me being more, you know, attuned to it, you know. Um, I'm much more ingrained in it. I'm much more aware of it uh, than I was, you know, growing up. You know, I certainly, like, you know, went to Mishawaka growing up, you know, and saw shows there. And, you know, when I was in college, going to friends' shows and classmates' shows and that kind of thing. Um, So it's hard to kind of, I don't know, quantify any kind of change because I think it's just – I've changed and I, you know, my awareness of the scene and my involvement in the scene and my personal tastes have, you know, evolved over the years. But yeah, I think, I mean, Colorado is, I think someone was saying the other day that uh, Colorado was like the fourth biggest music scene in, in the country or something like that. It was like, you know, LA, Nashville, New York, and then like Colorado was like fourth or fifth or oh, something wow. like that. I don't, I oh, don't, wild. don't quote me on that because I, I don't know the source, but, yeah. um, uh, yeah, it makes sense. You know, it's, we've got, we've got Red Rocks for Pete's yeah. sake. I know. Yeah. Beat that. I know. Exactly. <laughs> I know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the, the universe wanted a music scene. Yeah, like exactly. the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's so
1: cool. Yeah. I know. I think about that too. Just, I moved here in 2008 people ask that sometimes like how has it changed and i mean definitely there's more venues there's more recording studios Mm -hmm. i think just the world has changed it's easier to be in a band i mean easier in certain ways but it's easier to like get out there get started
2: Mm -hmm. um so, and I think there's there's a lot more resources like you know there's less gatekeeping there's less you know like you have to do it this way it's people are finding those pathways and finding their fans, and there's certainly more avenues to find find your tribe you know
0: so, yeah, you don't need all that much to get like do it for the rest of your life, yeah, yeah, just need it's a couple it's bands. not
2: you know like in the old olden days uh, <laughs> you know it was we listened to what the record labels pushed through the you know through the radio stations and now we've got you know streaming services where any my nephew my 11 year old nephew just released an album whoa this was all news to me he recorded it in his bedroom you know did it all on uh, Band Lab
0: oh, oh and, yeah
2: and just like put it up on Spotify and I was like that is resourceful uh, AF.
0: You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good
2: lord, man! Like that's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Um, and uh, like it's it's awesome, you know that there's that avenue, and you know before that wouldn't have been a possibility because you, oh, no. you had to go through all these channels to to you know get your music distributed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's so cool. Are you like? Let me master it next yeah. time. <laughs> I was like, "Come to my studio," and he came to the studio. He was oh, like, "This is
1: crazy!" Like it was, <laughs> it was awesome. really fun. Yeah, oh, cool. I love that. So, that's one of our favorite things is just like getting people's first time in the studio right, and showing yeah.
2: them around. It's such an enchanting space, you it know. Is. Yeah, I know. There's like. Yeah.
1: Magic in the air. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Literally. <laughs> <Yeah>. I
0: know. <laughs> Music is magic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like what you talk about. It's like breathing. Yeah. It's something innate mm-hmm. in almost all the humans just yes. to enjoy and participate in the ways they do, whether that's dancing, listening, or mastering. Right. Or, you know, yeah. uh, any of the million things. Mm-hmm. Researching. Yes. Helping them with the law. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, those are those are heroes like entertainment lawyers and music business
1: or villains (laughs) or villains, right?
0: I suppose yeah. It's like the world of superheroes. I
2: know. Are you gonna use this for good or evil? (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Oh, and then there's there are the attorneys that are evil. Mm -hmm. Just throwing that out there. Sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're all hard though.
2: That's right. Yep. I know that's hard.
0: Yeah. Have you run into any evil? In the industry. <laughs>
2: oh my gosh, where do I start? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, getting out of you know, right out of college, I, I didn't, I didn't know how to get in with a studio, you know, or anything like that. So I worked on the business side. I worked for a booking agency and a publicity firm, and I thought maybe the business side was more where I wanted to go. And I worked with some just really awful people that just burned me. And so then I just said screw this. I don't want to be in this industry if this is what it is. And, mm-hmm. you know, got like a corporate job downtown Denver and, you know, it paid really well. It sucked my soul dry, but, uh-huh. you know, um, and I, I, you know, I'm really thankful that I, I, was able to b- find my way, you know, back into the industry, but, you know, specifically back into audio because that was my, my first passion. But, you know, getting burned by all these, you know, just shitty people. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, Scott, you can swear. Yeah, You <laughs> can say them all here. You know, <laughs> it, 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 you know, it breaks you. Like this industry is – it's a hard industry and it is – there are plenty of people who are willing to step on your head mm-hmm. to get where they want to go. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Right on. I think it's changing though. I would just like to say. Right. Yes. I think that's maybe the change that I've seen. It's just like a lot more camaraderie, like a lot more community aspect. And um that's that's really encouraging. And I'm, you know, happy to be a part of that. Like I don't I don't want to step on anyone's toes. Like there's plenty of work to go around, you know, so yes. why don't we all just help each other? That's what we so, always yeah. say.
1: It never feels like we're trying to compete with anyone yeah. else. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. just, like, trying to be a musician is just competing with the world <laughs> sometimes. Right. So yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah that's, so that's, like, a really nice change. Um, but I think, too, like you were saying earlier, um, with, like, professionalism in audio and just in studios, I think that is in some ways a big change. I think sometimes there's that, like, glorification of studios sort of being this free-for-all and everyone's being crazy and, like... You know, there's like lots of toxic elements that yeah. I think in the past they're like, well, that's how you make a real album. And yeah. nowadays, I think liquor pe- bottles and right, you know,
2: loose women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, like
1: room talk. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. just right. like really yeah. crazy mm-hmm. things. People getting so like crazy. shot. Yeah. Steve. So I think that's like a huge. Change that as there's a more diversity in who's creating music, I think there's more diversity in who's recording that music and working in the industry. And there are now people who I think really want, like, a level of professionalism. And, you know, we can still make art, but not mistreat each other. Yeah,
2: well, and I think there's also just this uh, understanding or, like, this this recognition that the safer place that you create for someone, the better Art they're gonna make the yes. you know the more authentic they feel they can be you know you go you take an artist into a space where they don't feel comfortable they're not gonna do their best work mm-hmm. you know so if we're creating an, an atmosphere that's you know diverse and respectful and. Uh, you know, engineers aren't saying, no, you need to do this or this or this, you know, or an artist isn't telling an engineer, no, like you need to do this and this and this, <laughs> where it's like, you do what you do best and I'm going to do what I do best. And, you know, if we have a clash, like let's talk it out, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's that's been a huge shift, you know, just over the last like, you know, five years, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's the professionalism is just, you know, recognizing that we can... All do our part to, you know, elevate the art and make it, you know, truly authentic and truly something beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, yes,
1: I love that. Yeah, <laughs>
0: the <That's> goal. <dull. laughs> Amen. I know. Yeah, agnostically, of course.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes.
0: You said you work with like a Zegilian, uh genres. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, I think that's how many there are in the world. Right? Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. think so. Yeah, 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 it's
0: getting really, really specific. Yeah. Um, do you find something special in every record, or, you know, is it ever hard for you with a certain genre, or do you curate sometimes, or, you know, kind of say no to certain projects if it's just really not up your uh, alley?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's certainly, like, I'm terrible at EDM,
0: just oh. terrible <laughs>
2: at it, you know. I, I, I think I just don't really understand the genre all that well, um, you know, because it it that tends to exist in spaces that are outside of kind of the more traditional distribution realms. And, uh, you know, I just don't really understand it. But there's something, you know, really humbling about, you know, being able to say no to a project in a, in a, I'm not the best person for this, for this project. Um, And, you know, something kind of liberating in that. And that's, you know, that's something that I've kind of come to. In my career, you know, starting out, you just will take whatever you can get. But being able to, like, really say, like, no, these are my fortes, you know, Um, and also being able to say, like, I think this person is better for this project and being able to pass that work off to your colleagues, you know, I think is really important. That is nice. That's, like, one reason we always try to do these, like, meetings just
1: like one hour meetings with clients before they ever even start recording or working with us just so they can see our space and meet us and just so we can make sure we think we're the best option or a good option for their project and I think that helps a lot too with building community because then it's like the goal is for this to be great so let's like If we can't do that, we definitely want to let you know and, like, get you hooked up with someone who we think would make it great.
2: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You want the best possible team, you know, and sometimes it's not you, you know. Yeah, going back to, like, you know, finding something special, like... At the end of the day, you have to recognize that someone is creating art and there is something that they find really special about it. And, you know, for me, it's keying in on that and then making sure that that is shining through everything else, you know. So and that's sometimes genre specific and sometimes it's, you know, artist specific based on their vision. So,
0: yeah, I feel like uh, I'm handling babies you know, yeah. you gotta know how to hold it. You gotta be very careful. You yeah, know? Yeah. So no, totally <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it totally
2: is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very vulnerable space. I run across that because my room is like the last the last step, you know, before it goes out to the world. It's that's a really vulnerable space for an artist to be in, especially, you know, if it's their first album or if it's a departure from, you know, their usual lane or whatever. I have to be really respectful of like maybe they're just not quite ready to release it on an emotional level or being able to shepherd that process and and say like, no, this is, this is good. This is great. And this is what you envisioned. We've, we've made it. I try to be really, really respectful of that and very sensitive to that as it is. I, I, I'm not an artist because I can't afford to be that, you know, like vulnerable in, in that space. Like I play the mandolin, at home in my living room, and I never let anyone hear it. It's great. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah. That's all I want to do, uh-huh. you know. But putting an album out, like that's that's like you know showing everyone your insides,
1: you mm-hmm. know. Yes,
2: yeah. it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> it is. I like yeah. I like how you said shepherding that process. I feel like that's a lot of what I think about when I think about what we do yeah. here. Is like that kind of like holding their hand or or just like being a supporter yeah. but in a way that's adding value not just like go 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 but yeah um
0: yeah, yeah. there's a fair bit of like just wanting to talk through things i think that introductory meeting is really key for creating that safe space yeah um yeah. where it's like okay now i've seen it i don't have to be afraid of it yes i've met the people you know right like yeah. who vibe, are you going to be
1: vibe. in a windowless room with <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's Like, to yeah. the see <laughs> their face make yeah. eye contact yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Get, get eyes on each other yeah,
1: I think about that too. When you're talking about like how you va- have valued mentorship and how now you're mentoring others, which is awesome. Um, but really, it's it's sort of similar. Like that's a really vulnerable place, um, especially for people who haven't historically been in the industry. Um, and now it's becoming so much more inclusive. I would say yeah. I don't know that I would put it as inclusive, but more inclusive and. Um, I don't know. How do you kind of see that role of being a mentor like in the industry as it is now, especially
2: like in audio? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, women still make up such a minority of the audio industry. You know, I think the last statistic that came out was, you know, somewhere around 2 percent. I know that when I was coming up, it was really hard to, you know, thankfully, I'm stubborn and persistent uh, and bullheaded and, (laughs) and I know what I want and i wanted to be an engineer and that required me having to force my way into conversations like literally getting the cold shoulder like i'd walk into a studio and you know people would assume i was somebody's girlfriend you know yes. sleeping with someone Almost in the room always. or that i was the coffee girl or i was dropping off lunch for the talent or whatever and so i I found myself having to force my way into conversations, you know, you know, and prove that I spoke the same language as all the men. You know, I remember just like asking questions that I knew the answer to, you know, just just to like
1: start a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Just to start a
2: conversation or just to prove that I was worthy of being there, you know, because I think historically women in the studio space we walk in with a perceived deficit of knowledge. You know, you're pretty good for a girl kind of thing. So it's hard for us to have to prove ourselves. And so the more that I can, you know, bridge that gap for other women as they are coming in, like inviting them to speak in a space where I wasn't invited to speak when I was coming up, mm-hmm. like inviting them to share their opinions and and their expertise, I think is really really important to you know make sure all the voices are heard, not just the the loudest voices. And mm-hmm. you know this is a broad generalization, but you know men historically kind of assert their their knowledge and their expertise and in kind of a, a somewhat abrasive way sometimes. And that's a really intimidating space for a woman who, A, is the only woman in the room, you know, B, has imposter syndrome, you know, mm-hmm. which is definitely a thing, and I definitely experience it still to this day, mm-hmm. and feeling out of place. So, yeah, just like making space for those underrepresented voices to share, you know, and quieting the louder voices in the room. Yes. I yeah. I think is really important.
0: hmm Yeah.
2: I agree. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Have you found in any projects you've been on, like, I've heard from some female uh, musicians, like, there can be something really special and cool about being, like, a female performer working with female engineers and just having, like you said, like, when that space feels safe, like, whoa, what can we make now?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it comes down to, like, A, let's just put this out there, like, engineers can't have egos, you know? Like we all have egos, it's true, you know? But like when you are not the artist, it is not your job to say you're doing it wrong, you know? And so the engineer's job is to kind of be invisible and only kind of share their opinion when asked in a a lot of ways. And so creating that environment where an artist feels safe saying, I need your help here or I don't need your help you know, it, it allows them to just be a little bit more free with their art and how they're representing themselves as an artist. I think women, you know, historically have have been a little bit more inclusive in that way in, in how they listen to each other and, and you know, give each other space to talk and share. And it's a much more emotional connection than Men who, you know, from kind of a social evolution standpoint, you know, are trying to get the attention of the the most powerful person in the room kind of thing. And so I think there's a social evolution thing that uh, makes women really great at that kind of thing in a very general <laughs> sense. Yeah. yeah. Not every woman is like that. But right. You know, yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm and also women you. women just hear better, I think, also from a social evolutional standpoint. That's just, I'm just going to say
0: that. Oh, explain. Yeah.
2: I, no, really. <laughs> this is totally a theory that, that interests I have. Me. I, I, yeah. I think, you know, so historically, men have been in rooms with other men making decisions. And so their hearing is, you know, more attuned to the lower voices of male voices, because they're listening to each other to make those decisions that move our society forward. Women not only had to listen to the men in their lives, you know, because they were the wives and the homemakers, they were having to um, defer to the men, you know, and and let them be the decision makers and hearing the decisions they were made for their household and then following you know, those rules set out for them. So their ears are tuned to hear those lower frequencies of the male voice. But they also, women, have primarily been the caretakers of their children, which means they need to have those uh, sensitivities to the higher frequencies of a child crying and that kind of thing, like need to hear like when their child is coughing or like all these nuances of, of that kind of thing. And they exist around other women. So the higher voices of females... Like they're more attuned to that because that's how they move forward um, from a homemaker's standpoint. So I think women just have a better sensitivity to a larger range of frequencies. Hmm. That's That's my interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Prove me wrong. (laughs) Right (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right in. (laughs) I haven't done any research. Asterisk disclaimer. (laughs) Right. Uh, Hmm. But that's that's kind of how I see it. But it's interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And if even if you take like the physicality of the hearing out just the idea of who you're listening to and right like
0: yeah like
1: historically
0: right what are your sensitivities that's yeah really, yeah that's really yeah.
1: interesting it is neat yeah i agree with you though it does seem like a profession where you really do have to kind of mentally be like i need to set me aside parts of me aside so that i can channel this person who's performing and creating right. this art yeah And when do you step in and when do you say, this is what I think versus here are some
2: options. Mm -hmm. Like I can show you each one and what do you like? Yeah. And from an evolutional standpoint, you know, women have had to put themselves second to care for their children, Mm -hmm. you know. So they're more accustomed to being selfless, you know.
0: Yeah. I feel like those rooms with all the men are probably more of an echo chamber than anything else (laughs) as well. So it's not like there's too much individuality. Going on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just like a hmm. I know. Yeah, yeah, thank that's you. So that's interesting. really, really interesting. It yeah, is. Yeah. It is. Cool I stuff. like that.
1: Yeah. Should we move on to what we've been listening to this week?
0: Yeah. Are we at that point in the night?
1: We are. Okay. Um, yes. Well, first, actually, before we do that, I want to say that you can follow. Anna Frick online. <laughs>
0: at, she has a very slick website. Yes, yeah. it
1: is. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. I was on it to read all of your bio. Um, so that's <laughs> alliesound.com. That's A L L Y sound.com. Um, you can also go to Anna J. Frick, dot K.com. And then on Instagram, you're at Frickin' Anna or at Ally Sound Mastering. <laughs>
2: that's so you can, all correct.
1: Keep up with Anna in your lives, and if you need any mastering done.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um,
1: But yes, now we'll move on to what are we listening to this week where we just share some of like the current bands and artists or even podcasts or anything at all we've been listening to, even if it's just (laughs) work-related some weeks. (laughs) Um, But yes, would you like to start, Mr. Remington?
0: Sure, yeah. Um, Probably much to Kate's chagrin. Uh, (laughs) I've been listening to... um, some Ravel and Debussy string quartets. Ah, um, is particularly Ravel's uh, string quartet in F major. I just, I, I adore it. So yeah, that's, and that's and a Berkeley really,
2: kid. If I ever heard
0: one, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's totally true. If I didn't have to study counterpoint, I probably would have never even learned of that. So yeah, so it just puts me in a good mood. You know, when like the fall weather starts to come in, I'm like, oh yeah get into some classical Mm -hmm. so yeah i've been doing that nice
1: nice anna
2: so i went to see green sky bluegrass at red rocks last last weekend and friday night jennifer hartswick all-stars uh opened up and just badasses every single one of them i've been listening to jennifer hartswick and then also uh allison russell revisiting that album that she won a whole bunch of grammys for she is just uh just so beautiful and she also plays the clarinet in a, you know, in a, like, in her folk space, and it, she's amazing, so,
1: yeah. That's neat. We're big clarinet fans here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't it, know it's why. my favorite Just sounding song. instrument. It's so nice. Just, I don't know why.
1: um I have been listening to, well, we got the chance last week, um Kenny and I dragged John to uh, show, but we went to see um Bela Fleck at Chautauqua Auditorium in Boulder, which is beautiful. Um, so that was great, and they played a lot of songs from that. Um, my bluegrass heart,
2: also a Grammy winner,
1: yes, mm-hmm. I know. Go Bela, yes, yeah. I know. They even said on stage, well, he obviously didn't, but someone brought up on stage, they could be winning right now. Hmm. Tune in, <laughs> um, so that was really beautiful and then i've been listening to this band that kenny actually turned me on to called Brandywine and the mighty fines who i think are local folks mm-hmm. uh and then i've still been listening to i think i said this last time we recorded a podcast the texas gentlemen just been loving their their music lately nice very cool
0: right on well thanks for tuning in to the rocky mountain mixdown but, yeah, thanks again so much for coming yes, in. Yes, this um, is a good one. It was one. wonderful. I, it was a nice time talking with you. So. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah.
2: Thank I'm you. I always have to geek out. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. thanks so much for having me.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Bring cool. your dog sometime if you want
1: to.
0: <laughs> yeah, always <laughs> absolutely. welcome.
1: Absolutely.
2: Play date. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Mountain> <laughs> we're,
1: we're music
0: in
2: your Thank
1: you for listening to this episode of the Rocky Mountain Mixdown. For more information on any of the topics we discussed this week, look us up online at doghousemusic.com or your favorite social media platform.